0: Today, Pastor John is going to be preaching on Matthew 27, so I would like to read that with you. Um, before we do that, let's just open with a quick prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask for the Holy Spirit to envelop us here as we prepare to hear a portion of your word and the message prepared for us by Pastor John. Amen. Amen. So today's passage comes from Matthew 27, verse 27 through 31. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole crowd of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put his own clothes on him, then they led him away to crucify him. And then we'll also read one verse from John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
1: Thank you, Sylvia. Maybe some of you have read the title in for the message that was not quite the right title. Uh, I'm not speaking about the waiter of the cross. I'm talking about the wonder of the cross. And I pray that as we look together at the cross of Christ, our hearts will be turned unto Him, that we may know the price that was paid for our redemption and following in his steps. A lot of the message will follow the hymn When I Survey the wondrous Cross. Isaac Watts, writer of many of our hymns, pastor of the Church of Christ in London, England, wrote this wonderful hymn, When I Survey the wondrous Cross. The message, beloved, of this hymn is going to take us to the heart of Christianity. The characteristic symbol of our Christian faith has always been the cross. The authentic believer glories in the cross as both the wisdom and the power of God, and the only hope the only hope for the world. And we still sing today, as it did centuries ago now, the Wondrous Cross. Now, why is that? What is or what, in fact, do we see when we survey the cross? We look at it every Sunday. What do we see in the cross? When I survey the wondrous cross, I see a victorious personality. To the citizens of Rome, the hymn would be not very attractive. It would be very unintelligible, inintelligible. It would be shameful for people to think of the cross because the cross was a horrible way of dying. How, then, has this ancient form of execution become the glowing theme of a great hymn and of a world religion? The answer is found, beloved, not in the cross itself, but the one who dies on the cross. God was in Christ, and Christ died on a cross. That is the transforming factor, the reason why this symbol of sadistic wickedness is now the magnet of humanity, manhood. It draws c- people to Christ. When I surveyed the wondrous cross of which the Prince of Glory died, not one sentence, my friend, of the New Testament was written with uh, which did not proceed from the conviction that the Christ who died on Calvary was not a pathetic victim but a princely victor. The church has always. Survey the cross in the light of streaming from an empty tomb, the crucifixion, the resurrection light. This is vital because the resurrection vindicates the person of Christ and marks him out as a very son of God with power. The miracle is, however, that Jesus himself saw his victory before the resurrection in the, apparent, in the midst of apparent defeat. Read the gospel records. It is as, as the conscious master of the situation that his, he marches to his death. He was in control always. His life is not being taken, his life was given. You will find nothing in all the crowded records of history and liturgy to match the majesty of Christ crucified. To the last, he shows no sign, no trace of self-pity. In his agony, he is more than than conqueror, superbly patient, under insults and injury and even War is crowned with dignity. You heard the scripture, what they did to him. I'll come back to that later. We listen to his words of compassion on the cross Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Today you will be with me in paradise. As a the theologian said, he reigns from this tree. This passion is action, strong and selfless, to the very point where history itself is rent in twain. The and he utters the words, it is finished, and he gives up the ghost. To survey the cross is to see a victorious personality, the strong strong Son of God, the Prince of Glory. It It is to see through the darkness of evil, the loveliness of Christ. The centurion in charge of the crucifixion said he never saw a person die like Jesus died. And in the end, after the uh, darkness, the earthquake, he said, surely, he was the Son of God. The cross is wonderful, beloved, because the victorious personality of Christ made it a throne. The kingdom is His, and the power and the glory. Therefore, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord." When I have surveyed the wondrous cross, I don't only see a victorious personality, but I see a sacrifice. There were two others crucified with him, one on each side. But they were crucified because of the evil that he had done. But why was this young prince of glory there? Why did he steadfastly set his face to go to the cross as his historical destiny? He had no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, The New Testament used all kinds of images in an effort to convey the meaning of the death of Christ. They all present a certain aspect of that great event. But at the end, they leave us at the face-to-face with a mystery beyond our understanding. One thing at least is certain. The death of Christ was a sacrificial death. The Apostle Paul gives this explanation. Christ died for our sins. The sacrifice of Christ, beloved, reveals the true nature of our sin. Some people may ask, what is sin? When Isaac Watts writes, of pouring contempt on all our prides, he is writing about the real meaning of sin. Sin is pride. Man's proud claim to be independent of God. Man is a rebel who has rejected his destiny ericulently taking the place of God. And standing at Calvary, we see this as never before. In the mirror of the cross, we see ourselves as we really are, with all our pretensions, excuses, torn away. No longer can we rationalize sin and explain it as so explain it away as sheer dumb ignorance it is pride my friend pride expressing itself in the evil things which compass the death of the sinless son of god at the cross i realized this There I realized the depths of the sin in my own life as I wrestled these last two weeks, as I shed many tears when I looked at the cross time and time again. There was self-interest, worldliness, the blind, closed mind. These are the things in my own life these are the things I see in the world which brought about the sacrifice of the Son of God. And as I said, they are all there in me. When I survey the cross of Christ, I know that I am a sinner, deeply implicated in the evil that made it inevitable for the Christ to be crucified as the scripture teaches, I am guilty, vile, and helpless, condemned before God who made me for himself. I can't talk, speak about any of you, but that's what my place was. But that is not the last word. The sacrifice of Christ also reveals the immense cost of our salvation. Christ died for our sins on our behalf. In Christ, God takes our sins upon Himself and makes atonement for them. The paradox of the cross is that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It is there on that cross that God says to men, Jesus, my son, takes your place and pays the price for your sin, which you cannot pay. You are all the rebel who should be dying the death, which is the wages of sin. But I suffer instead of you, and because of you, as my love for you is so immensely great." It is there on that cross that the Prince of Glory offers a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. It is there on that cross that we sinners are brought into acceptance before God, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven." How tremendous was the cost. It cost the Son of God, the creator, the sustainer of this world, It cost his life, his blood. As the hymn says, and as Peter writes, you know that you were ransomed not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Ransomed by the blood of Christ. That's the price that was paid for your and my sin, beloved. It is the cost involved in the achievement of our salvation, a cost so monstrous and unthinkable that makes it moral and moves us to respond in repentance and faith. When I look in the face of the Son of God on the cross, I can only say, God loves me so, so much, it sucks a great cost. George Young, pastor in China, who tried to, was going to learn Chinese. He had a teacher, Mr. Lu. Mr. Lu, was kind of impressed by the story of a foreign, of a peasant who was crucified, and that was about all he was interested in for the moment. But his interest quickened as uh, they together read about the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ but he still felt that Confucius was superior. The story of the prodigal son made him confess, I have always believed in God, but I didn't know he was like that. But the story of the crucifixion reduced him to silence. The language lesson ended with the question: Why did he die? like this? In broken Chinese, Pastor Young answered, "He died for you and me." Mr. Lu did the most unshiny thing. He wept. Wrapping his books in his blue cloth, he went out muttering, He died for me. He died for me. He returned the next day, a new, radiant man, to say, Pastor Young, I have become a disciple of Jesus. Christ becomes, beloved, only real to a person when he turns in repentance, in true repentance to Jesus. When I survey the wondrous cross, I see a demand for total surrender. The death of Jesus means not only that something amazing, wonderful has been done, it means that something demanding and exacting is expected of each one of us. It is, beloved, it's really beyond my comprehension how anyone can survey the cross of which the Prince of Glory died, gave his life, and then go on living a nominal life, Christian life. No real commitment. For love so amazing, my friend, demands my life, my soul, my all. It's a big demand. It involves the entire surrender of ourselves to Jesus Christ. It involves the fellowship of Christ's suffering, bearing in our bodies the marks of the living and dying of Christ here on Earth. It involves giving the will and purpose of Christ priority over our own cherished interests, ambitions, and prejudices. I lament the spiritual apathy and secular outlook of the time in which we live. Somehow, within the church has come a philosophy that We do not have to worry too much about what the Scripture says. We only have to worry about how we feel. If we feel happy, then everything is fine. Christianity has become cheap. Oh, we talk about loving one another. But the love that the world talks about is not the love that Christ talks about. When Christ talks about love, He says love means giving it all, giving yourself, not asking, what can I get? Today, within the Church of Jesus Christ has crept the philosophy that God should make us feel happy, God should make us feel good. My friend, God has given us life not just to make us feel good, but to glorify him. That is our purpose here upon earth for you and for me, to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not just to feel good. The majority of nominal Christians have yet to discover that there is no such a thing as Christianity without tears. Tears for our indifference to the Christ. Tears for our sin which caused the horrible suffering of the Prince of Glory. We read about or heard in the scripture. Oh, I've read every aspect of Christ's suffering these weeks, these last two weeks. And I am just amazed what they did to the Christ. Can you imagine? They spat him in his face. They slapped him. They put that crown of thorns on his head and that was not enough. They took a club and hit it a few times. Can you imagine the suffering? Beloved, there is no painless way are following in the steps of the Prince of Glory. This is the Achilles' heel of modern Christianity. No pain, only feel good. I read of an American businessman who went to, and I have a hard time saying the name of this place in Germany, where they put on the famous Passion Play. After the play, he went backstage to meet Anton Lang, Lang, who then played the part of Christ. Noticing in the corner of the great, he saw the great cross, which line carried in the play. The tourist went over and stooped down to pick up the cross, and he could not lift it one inch of the ground. It was made of solid oak beams. Amazed, the man turned to Lang, saying, I thought it would be light, hollow. Why do you carry a cross that is so terribly heavy? Anton Lang replied, Sir, If I did not feel the weight of His cross, I could not play His part. If I did not feel the weight of His cross, I could not play His part. Have you felt the weight? Peter writes, for this, you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We have been called to follow Christ, my friend. This is going to be Easter again. We think of the suffering, but the call goes out to follow in his steps even though it costs our suffering. The demand of the cross is for total surrender, nothing less. Total obedience to God's word, no compromises, no throwing out part of it. We must feel the weight of his cross, beloved, if we are to play his part in the drama of the world's redemption. And I believe that the person who truly really surveys the cross of Christ is eager to meet the demand. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. No friend, my friend, love so amazing, shall have my life, my soul, my all. How about you? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You have called us to be your people, your children, to be a living witnesses of Christ, to live the life of Christ here upon earth. Help us to understand, Lord, your truth your word, and help us, Lord, to glorify you, for which you have redeemed us. In Christ's name, amen. I wish we could all sing the song when I survey the wondrous cross. Please sing it in your heart, and I encourage you to take out some little while of your busy schedule and sit still and look in the face of the Christ who died and suffered on the cross of Calvary for you.